This is exactly right. Scotty. Ooh. You ready? I would just love to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Man who invented Labradoodle says it's his life's regret. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a friendly topic to curl up against on this brand new episode of Bananas. gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Banana. Sitting across from me is the number one screenwriter in the world, voted by Screenwriter Magazine, Scotty Landis. <laughs> there he is, my dude, the big banana himself, Kurt Brownoller. What's up, buddy boy? How's your strike going? Strike's going well. A lot of mm-hmm. walking, getting the steps in, getting the mm-hmm. steps in. So I went this morning to WB, to Warner Brothers, and... Um, a lot of people probably don't think of this, but like a lot of the places that the writers and now actors who have joined us in full, like full mass, but also saw a couple shirtless dudes for the first time at the strikes. It is, it, yeah. the The strike just got a lot hunkier, a lot hotter. <laughs> the babes and the hunks have showed up <laughs> to, they are to just more. assist the dumpy writers yes. walking back and forth. <laughs> But so one of the hardest things to find at a lot of these places are bathrooms. And we're talking, you know, 500 people and it's hot as hell. And so I asked my friend, I was like, where do you go to the bathroom around here? And she's like, there's a place called Kismet and it's it's a hair salon. It's uh-huh. like a, they do everything. And I went there and it's like the women that own it could not be nicer. But I still felt guilty because I was like, can I use your restroom? And they're like, absolutely. First door on the right. It's the open one. Go for it. We support the writers, all that stuff. And on the way out, I was like, okay, do you cut men's hair? And she's like, sure, I can cut you. Come on in. And so I picketed for another hour, went in, and then a nice woman named Roxanne cut my hair. Nice. It looks and great. I felt like I was giving it back. So if you need a haircut, yeah, very affordable. But shout out to Kismet for just hooking up not only a clean bathroom, supporting the writers, but also giving me a nice haircut. And definitely make sure you Google which Kismet it is. Otherwise, you're going to end up with some rotisserie, uh, rotisserie chicken. chicken. <laughs> which we is have a right great down restaurant the, in LA. It's very good. Street, right down the street from me. It's some of the best rotisserie chicken out there. Yes, it is. <laughs> and just to remind everyone um, that Bananas is coming to Atlanta. Bananas is coming to Raleigh. Uh, and that's it's going to be fantastic. September September twenty third for uh, Raleigh, September twenty fourth for Atlanta, and I will be doing stand up also in Raleigh those evenings. Great, and uh, then of course Brooklyn, please, Cleveland, please, and Get Worcester, Mass, please come see me do stand up August thirtieth, thirty first, and September first for all those. Put dates. down your bottles of Polar Dry Orange and go see Kurt Worcester. You can do it. I have not had dry orange yet. It's very good. Is it really? I love it. I drank it all through college. It's a good mixer. If you mm-hmm. want to spice up your vodsod, go dry orange. It's excellent. All right. I mean, I'm a spindrift boy, but I try it. Oof. I'll try Oof. it. That's... People love polar. Yeah, it's good. Here it There's is. There's a loyalty. Ready? Yeah. Man, 
man who so invented funny. Labradoodle says it's his life's regret. Um, and this was sent <laughs> in so wonderfully good. by Vanessa B. Thank you, Vanessa B. On Instagram, if you have your own banana stories, you can DM us, uh, The Bananas Podcast on Instagram, or email we'll it to us, thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. True. This was written by Matthew Cantor for, he's the BB, the B, the B, be the best in the biz, Damn um, good. for The Guardian. Now, real. this is, I'm just going to read a little bit of this story, and I'm going to skip the rest, because the majority of the rest is- We get it. Sad. Okay. <laughs> three, th- <laughs> three decades ago, Wally Conran bred two unlike animals to unleash a creature the world had never seen. Today, yeah. he says it's his life's regret. Quote, I opened a Pandora's box and released a Frankenstein's monster. Oh, the man. travesty was a Labradoodle. And there is a picture of the cutest dog you have ever seen with his tongue hanging out. And that is directly underneath uh, a Frankenstein's monster. Sure. <laughs> They are cute dogs. I mean, all the doodles, all the doodles are cute. Yeah. It's interesting. So he, the, uh, the pieces of information I can tell you really quickly about this is it was created because there was a woman, a blind woman, who needed a working animal that didn't uh, upset her husband's allergies. And he tried a lot of different combinations until he came up with the, um, the you know, Labrador and Poodle. And oh. then um, had, I guess, had he gave one to this woman and then had a couple left over and didn't, and no one wanted them. <laughs> cool, cool life. And then... Uh, he spoke to, so Conran, who worked for Guide Dogs Association, now known as Guide Dogs Victoria, sought help from its PR department. I said, can you get onto the media and tell them we've got, we've bred a special breed, a breed called a Labradoodle. And the Labradoodles, the name was from the PR people. And Mm -hmm. then it like took off from there. Um, Mm -hmm. And then what he regrets about it is that just like, it's just essentially what he regrets more generally is kind of like the factory breeding of. Oh, I see. Of, uh, of, you know, these types of like, quote, not purebred, but, you know, bred dogs. Designer dogs. Designer dogs. He regrets like there's just people out there who are doing it just to make money and the dogs aren't being taken care of. Something he has no control over whatsoever. Someone was going to create a Labradoodle, but maybe they would have named it uh, a Poobadador. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the only difference. Mm, I wish they had. It sounds like the smarter person. But, you know, it's for allergy reasons. This person wanted a dog. And had allergies, yeah. so they Delightful. got down to science. Not their fault. Also, the rise of the doodles, the the labradoodles, the burning doodles, all of them. There has to be a direct correlation to the rise in like social media. And I don't mean that it's like yes. an influencer dog. I mean it's like it made everybody sadder. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, "Golden retrievers aren't enough. Labradors aren't enough. We need the most adorable, sweet, friendly little <laughs> dog." So here, and now everybody I know has some kind of doodle. In the last, like, 10 years, going wild. Yeah, doodles have been just really taken off. But so, because that story ends sad, I don't want to go into it. What I do want to do is instead really switch gears really quickly and just recognize Mm -hmm. that it is the 100th birthday Mm. of Hajiko. No the way. world's most loyal dog. Do you know about oh, Hajiko? Yes, I know the statue, but I, I don't know the full story. So it's a Akita or something like that? Yes. And so okay. this was sent in by Elizabeth Wan. Uh, she Elizabeth. sent me the Instagram post from We Rate Dogs. 
um, which is Great always follow. A, it's a very funny uh, uh, Instagram account. I looked it up. There was a BBC article I could have quoted, but the BBC article was very long, and we rate dogs in their Instagram <laughs> comments pretty much nails it. <laughs> so here's from We Rate Dogs. Uh, this is Hajiko. There's a picture of him. He's adorable. Great he was name. an Akita born on November 10th, That's 1923 right. in Japan. He was sold to, um, forgive me, uh, Haidsaburo Uono, a scientist at the University of Tokyo. Uono named him Hachi after the number eight, which is considered lucky in Japan, and the two became inseparable. Every day, okay. Hachi walked to Shibuya Station with Uono for his commute and returned each evening to pick him up. This routine continued daily until May 20th. 21st, 1925. On that sad day, Uono left for work and never returned after suffering a fatal cerebral hemorrhage while lecturing. Despite Uono's absence, Hachi continued to wait for him at the station daily. Hachi mm. bounced between several homes, including some miles from Shibuya, before getting settling with Uono's former gardener. No matter right. the distance, Hachi returned to the station daily to wait patiently for his owner. In 1932, a former student of Uono's published an article about the dog's vigil and Hachi's story blew up. Hachi became a symbol of loyalty and ko, a suffix used as a sign of respect, was added to his name. Now called Hajiko, he started receiving pets and treats from people at the station while he awaited his owner. In 1934, a life-size statue of the yes. loyal dog was erected at Shibuya Station, and there. Hajiko himself attended the unveiling ceremony. Hajiko died the next year at the age of 11. Each year since 1936, a solemn ceremony at Shibuya Station has been held to honor his devotion. Hajiko's ashes were buried beside Uono's in Tokyo. After nine years, nine months, and 15 days, Hajiko was finally reunited with his beloved owner he missed so much. For his perseverance and loyalty, we bestow upon Hajiko the extremely rare and long overdue 15 out of 10 stars for uh, right you forget that this is we rate dogs so yes. that they rated Chico. like a 20 yeah <laughs> but uh that's uh, so yeah. cool an animal of the week Hajiko. absolutely i remember and we might have talked about this but like the last time i was traveling i just noticed in i was in europe and there were just not that many dogs and i was like what country has the most dogs? And it is the U.S. by a ton. There are oh, yeah. 76 million dogs in the U.S. But it's like, uh, it's pretty wild. Like, because you don't think that. I did go to Japan and I actually did see that statue at that station. And I think I was with Kristen Shaw and Rich. Um, and it's like, you don't see that many dogs in Japan. I didn't like notice like the you walk you go out in LA. The only time people are even walking in Los Angeles is to walk their dog, mm-hmm. or it's like a nanny walking somebody else's kids, or somebody <laughs> walking their own dog, or a dog walker walking eight of the funniest dogs you've ever seen. Uh, yeah. So when I fir- when I went to Thailand in mm-hmm. two thousand one, when my brother yes, lived there. Um, he said dogs had just become like a thing for Thai uh, families to have. And it was really funny seeing everyone like with the very proud of their new pet dog, um, including multiple dogs that I saw. So it, back then, I, I don't know if this is still the same in, in Thailand, but it would be like 
a four-person family and yeah. a dog riding a moped together. <laughs> like just one moped with Gang's the dog here. with the dog standing on its back legs and its paws up on the steering column. <laughs> it was like a, it was absolutely amazing. It would be We're like dad, over. mom, two little kids and then the dog riding the It was like I this is amazing. Give I me another one. The- Sure. I had a good dog story in there, too. I'll save it for Latro. This was from Ashley underscore Janine. or Yeah, I think Janine. Um, thank you, Ashley. This was WKRG, Pace, Florida. Florida, Japanese steakhouse, closing after meth found in soy sauce. Meth found in soy sauce. Wow. wow. I just Wowie. need to know if it's dissolved or not. That's all I need exactly. to know. Exactly. And this was written by real name, best in the business, Summer Pool. S U M M E R, summer, like the season, pool, P O O L E. What wow. a name for a Florida journalist. Wow. Summer Pool. I mean,. Yeah, it's better than being winter pool, I guess. Yeah. Nobody likes a winter pool. Yeah, winter pool sounds like a spy conglomeration. Yeah. Just like we are winter pool. We watch <laughs> you when the lights go out and it gets cold. We're there it to does. make it colder. Uh, <laughs> Japanese Steakhouse and Pace has announced their closing just weeks after an investigation investigation led by Santa Rosa County Sheriff's Office found that some of the soy sauce was contaminated with methamphetamine. What? I mean, Wow. Uh, an investigation into the Nico Japanese Steakhouse began when seven people were hospitalized after eating at the restaurant. Detectives <gasps> did tests on two soy sauce bottles and unopened to-go packets of soy sauce, which came back positive for meth. On wait, July wait. S- yeah. so- sorry, uh, p- packets? These yeah, were like sealed to-go packets. packets. Yes. Whoa. So it wasn't the restaurant's fault. Nico Restaurant, I'll get to it in a second. They're actually not to blame. Okay. Which sucks because I think it cost them their business. But it's just imagine this. Like, it's kind of like a hibachi restaurant, I think. So, <laughs> on, I mean, the hibachi, imagine Benny Hanna on yeah. meth. I know. It's all of a sudden amazing. It's like, it's already amazing. Yeah. You, everybody has having a little bit of meth at a time. Like, cause that's the thing. Like, you probably don't get hospitalized till the end of the meal. Like, no. in the beginning of the meal, it's just fucking awesome. Yes. It's the best hibachi you've ever been to. Yes. You're ordering more drinks. People so are many. screaming. Everybody's holding spatulas and just clanging them at the same time. You're but counting rice in an instant. If that's if there was that, I mean, like, if you think about it, seven people were hospitalized, but that doesn't mean seven people had the meth in the... That means probably, like, 50 people had the meth, and yeah. only seven people had so much that they needed to be hospitalized. Yeah. The other people just had a fucking amazing three days. That's right. <laughs> the investigation was... Uh, they did an investigation... Uh, there was a post from the restaurant saying that they were unable to sustain costs to stay open after this happened. But according to Aww. the investigative report, but it is interesting because okay. it is not the restaurant's fault, uh, you know, or whatever. They're not directly, they didn't put meth in their soy sauce, is right. what I'm saying. It yeah. came to them that way. Or they had some kooky person that dosed them. 
but they were unable to determine who contaminated the food due to a lack of witness observations or on the surveillance footage. But according to an investigative report, multiple employees told deputies that a coworker was acting erratically on that day, the day seven customers got sick. The coworkers believed the suspicious coworker unknowingly contaminated the food. However, the report concluded there was no evidence to completely back it up. So, oh. but I mean, just that must have been so frightening and terrifying because when you get any sort of like when somebody gives you a drink that's too strong and you go, what is this? Or it gives you an edible. That's like the classic one that's way stronger than you expected. And you have to figure out what's happening to you. Like if yeah. you take something, you go, well, okay, I'm yes, too drunk. Exactly. This is stronger than I think. But if you just went and ate too much and you thought you just had meat sweats and then suddenly you're just acting like you're on meth for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. No, it would be, it'd be terrifying. It wouldn't be fun at all. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it would really, yes. But, and, you, and you've had that, like those things where you're just like, Jesus Christ, what is going on? Did I have something? Yeah. But I, as someone who have no interest in using meth in my life, I have it before and I don't plan on it. If you survived it, at least you would go, all right, well, now I know what that's like. <laughs> and I had a pretty good steak hibachi dinner. So it's not a total loss as long as you survive. You know, you got to paint with every color on the palette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, and their houses were clean at the end of that night. Clean houses. Oh, God, clean houses. Absolutely. Their cars were completely disassembled. Whether that's true or not, we'll never know. But I... I've only I've done Benihan a lot. Uh, we did one for Fraser Ween when we were in Las Vegas, and they sat a uh, unwitting couple with our table. Oh, I might have told this one already. I'll start over. Uh, oh no, you should tell it again. I love it. <laughs> well, hold on. So I will say there's one thing about uh, I compare Benihana's and hibachi restaurants, which I do truly love. And I will I like I want to go to every different style of one in the yes. world. I don't know why it's not a bigger thing that they just cook right in front of I you and do a know. show. It's, it's a so show. Fun. And it's good. And it's it's so delicious. When they hit that garlic butter on there, it is game over. Everybody's just like, yes. Even their then, salad dressing's good there. The little vo- the little onion volcano, and then Give boom! Sh- come on, shrimps in your mouth. If you've never, if you've, I mean, that's what all you want from any dinner is having yeah. a shrimp thrown into your mouth from across the room. Yes, it, every restaurant, no matter what they serve, yes. when you walk in, they should have the option of somebody throws a shrimp at you, and you can catch it in your mouth. Yeah. I compare Benihana's to improv shows, though, because if you see a uh-huh. great chef, it's incredible. And if you see a bad one, <laughs> it is the most disappointing and heart-wrenching thing. Because yeah. like, you are paying more than you should for that quality right. of food. But And if the guy's just not good, which I've seen, too, just mm-hmm. not, not really putting on a show compared to other people that just treat it like they are center stage at the Academy Awards. Like, yes. it is such a divide. <laughs> but we should go. We should go when you and I are in Atlanta. We should take Laurel oh and go God. to a Benihana or yes. whatever their big hibachi is down there. That would be absolutely fantastic. Post-show, mm-hmm. Benihana, I'm mm-hmm. down. Let's go. Um, oh, yeah. All right. I'll send us into a break. I love a break. Burp, burp, burp. Okay, here it is. Ikea wants pregnant women to pee on an advertisement in a magazine for a discount. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) That's so, that's, 
<laughs> All right, Ikea. Ikea wants you to do everything yourself. Now it's just getting carried away. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get back into it in Bananas. Folks, we're back, Scotty. What do you, uh, you got a little shout out for us? I got some shout outs for us. Uh, one shout out's just for me. If anybody works in the publishing industry, specifically Kids Lit, DM me. Say, Scotty, I work in publishing and I have a few questions I want to ask you about something. Thank you so much. Um, back to the real shout outs. Banana Boys are shouting out a very loyal banana animal named Katie. Get well soon. Thanks for listening to us. We are rooting for you. Um, Get well. Yeah. Speedy, speedy recovery. Um, Kat Melanick always sends us good stories. She wants to shout out her besties. Asha has a small business called Tickled Pink Finds, where you can buy vintage and new decor pieces. I might have shouted this out a long time ago, but if not, I don't care. Tickledpink.me. Go check it out if you have class and taste. Yeah. Um, BB wants to shout out her mom who makes cakes in the Los Angeles area. She specializes in sugar sculptures, Kurt. Oh, nice. I don't know. Maybe we got to get one for something, a live show or something like that. You can check her out uh, and contact her on Instagram at Cakes by Susan 5 for all your Los Angeles cake needs. Let's see. I have so many. I'll do two more. Oh, yeah. this There's two. These are pretty damn good. Um, Maddie wants to shout herself out for making it one year without contacting her ex. (laughs) He pulled the rug out from under her, broke her heart, and that was the same day she discovered the Bananas podcast. She said, I was trying to find a podcast to make me feel better, and boy, did you deliver. Even in the darkness, the world can be wonderful and silly. Yay. Maddie, screw that loser. Keep moving. You're the best. And last but not least, Kurt, you're never going to believe this, so I'm just going to read it. Megan Dougherty. Wants to shout out her best friend, Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y, for the absolute dumbest health scare. Maddie had chest pains so bad that he called 911 on Saturday. Wow. After getting checked out by the doctor after the examination, it was determined he's experiencing banana withdrawal. Maddie was eating six or seven bananas a day. (laughs) (laughs) He started to have some... GI tract issues, cut back heavily on the bananas, and that's when the problems began. (laughs) This poor guy was putting so much potassium in his body that when he stopped, I think his heart went, oh, no, 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 no. So anyways, Matt, we're only laughing at the absurdity of it, but we hope that you're recovering. And, you know, one one banana a day seems like plenty of bananas. (laughs) Definitely seems like enough. Matt, we're happy you're, you're safe. Really? You're safe. That is six or seven bananas. I have friends I can't even get to take a bite of a banana, and these are adults. (laughs) It's the texture. Uh, So this is, I'll get into it, Ikea wants pregnant women Mm. to pee on an advertisement in a magazine for a discount. This was sent in by Copy Haste. Give it up for Copy Haste. Uh, This was in the Washington Post, so you know it's real. Uh, It's real. Um, And it's written by, it says perspective by... That's interesting. It says perspective by Allison Klein, who is giving us her perspective 
Thank God. Uh, in the form of a journalistic article about this. <laughs> okay. There we go. That's where we're at. This is fascinating. I am so fascinated by this. I don't I don't hate it, Scotty. Here it is. Good. I, Ikea has a new advertisement that's running in a Swedish magazine and asks women to pee on the page to learn about a discount. Once a woman urinates on a strip in the ad, a okay. discount is revealed only if she is pregnant, according oh, to a I report see. in Adweek. I see. Quote, peeing on this ad may change your life, reads the promotion in Amelia magazine. It continues, this ad is also a pregnancy test. Pee on the marked area and wait a moment. If you're expecting, you'll get a surprise right here in the ad. Mm-hmm. The ad uses technology similar to what's in at home, at home pregnancy tests, according to Adweek. In a home pregnancy test, if a woman has enough of the pregnancy hormone HCG, the test strip will change color to indicate she's pregnant. In the IKEA ad, if a woman has enough HCG, the page reveals that a black brown Sundvik crib that costs 995 krona will be on sale for 495 krona. Hey, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's unclear whether the woman has to bring the pea-soaked head yes. into the store to get the that rebate. That was my first question. How do we prove <laughs> this? IKEA's email response, question mark. IKEA products are inspired by life itself and blah, 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 blah. I don't, want, I don't care what IKEA says. Um, but this is, I think this is great. I think yeah. this is, that's a, that's a cool ad. Like, if you're making an ad and you also got like you made special pregnancy ink for the ad and yeah, it's very cool. funny that the that you can only get the rebate if you pee on it first yeah i mean it's we're talking about it we're not talking about any other furniture companies advertising so it's no! definitely smart <laughs> i like ikea when they I put like that it. ikea in brooklyn i was still so broke i had no money and my air conditioning was terrible and i used to ride my bike to it in the summer and just walk around because they had great ac and i would go in the reverse which is like mm-hmm. the when you don't have money version you just go into the 99 cent it's like where the plants are and all the little things and the hand towels and you know for four dollars you, you walk out of there feeling like the king of monaco you really do I mean, and then it slowly breaks down. <laughs> then it disintegrates in your hands as you're using it. That's on your way home. The batteries um, last for seconds, mere seconds. <laughs> you can watch. You can hear the remote control going. <laughs> All right, Scotty, give me another one. I got one. This is a strange one. This was sent in by Lily Lynn, who is a friend of the pod, a drinking buddy in Portland. Had a couple bevs with her. Uh, Tom Hanks's volleyball head, Wilson, from Castaway, sold for $308,000. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say million for a second. I mean, mm, it's still sh- a lot. It should have only sold for $318, but if it had been million, I really would have lost, lost yeah. belief in humanity. So $318,000, still too much, but still. Still too much. Yeah. Good movie, but, you know, still too much. It's this was fine. BBC. Good it's movie. F- it's a fine movie. Yeah. We yeah. need to get better. All of us as a American society, at least, we need to just like good things again. Not everything <laughs> has to be fantastic. Not everything has to be dog shit. There's a whole bunch of acceptable stuff where if somebody goes, did you like it? You go, yeah, it was fine. You go, good. I'll probably check it out then. <laughs> right, we live in a weird hyperbolic world. BBC staff wrote this because nobody wanted to claim it. <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks' volleyball head Wilson from Castaway sold for 300 
$8,000. The volleyball used as a prop in the 2000 film Castaway sold at an auction for a staggering, you heard me say it twice already, $308,000. The film depicts Tom Hanks as a lone survivor stuck on a deserted island. The ball, which his character names Wilson, is depicted as his only friend. The ball was originally made to look dirty and spent a lot of time in the water, water during filming, according to Prop Store, the auction house that sold it. Hanks was given... I mean, this is such an odd story. We're talking about the movie even again. Hanks was <laughs> giving an Oscar nomination for Best Actor in the Robert Zemeckis film, but the movie star lost out to Russell Crowe for his role in the film Gladiator. <laughs> I remember that. Gladiator. It was a pretty... Gladiator's pretty fun. Like, is it? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it. I think it's way better than... They, I think that they keep trying to remake it. It's almost like yeah. the movie Seven, where there's been so many spin-off types of it, and none of them are as good. Like, Gladiator's pretty good. Okay. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix brings it home. Uh, during the film, Hanks talks to Wilson as a way to keep his sanity while struggling to survive. The ball is described by the auction house as, quote, heavily distressed with paint applied to create a worn, dirtied appearance, end quote. It also bears a dark brown and red face on the front. And I wonder if the face, which is like, you know, a bloody hand of Tom mm-hmm. Hanks' character in the movie. I wonder if that's Tom Hanks' hand. That would actually make it worth yeah. slightly more money, in my opinion. Maybe worth $400. <laughs> Um, the top is torn open and an array of tobacco stalks are insulted to replicate the appearance of hair. <laughs> the sale comes from Prop Store, which sells over 1,100 pieces of movie memorabilia, including the outfit worn by Will Ferrell in the 2003 film Elf. What? Where do they get this shit? Uh, I know. And it's the fact that it doesn't explicitly say it. Maybe it is. I'll have to Google it. Like, that. this is for charity? I, I'm sure it isn't. I think this is just for profit. Yeah. How much, Kurt, would you spend on the elf suit worn by Will Ferrell himself in the 2003 film hit movie, Elf? How much would I spend? Like, yes, if I said, hey, it's at your kid's school. We have the real thing. It's a charity auction for the school. It's a charity auction for the school. How much would you spend for Buddy the Elf's suit? And he's about your size. You're about the same height. So it would fit. You. I I would go if, if I'm if 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 it's raising money for a public school, I'm going two hundred dollars. That's yeah. That is your ceiling. Where that you're is like, the ceiling. That's I can't go a little bad about it. I you feel don't a little bad about two hundred dollars, <laughs> hands down. Well, somebody bought it for two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, <laughs> which is almost ten times the anticipated sale price. And then they brought it home, put it on once, and cried, and then put it away. <laughs> yeah, none of their friends liked it. Nobody was that impressed. I love that kind of stuff. When we, uh, you and I were writing on an MTV show, a uh, reality show, in one of the creative packets where like contestants had to say things, we, I had written, walk in and say to the cashier, hey, you look like a sober Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And that is like so benign. <laughs> I can't think of a more vanilla joke. That's so funny. Not even a joke, just a funny thing to say to a stranger. And MTV came back so hard. And their biggest note was, our audience has no idea who Tom Hanks is. I mean, this was 2010, maybe, maybe 2009. Our audience doesn't know who Tom Hanks is. America's leading man. Yes. They had no, and they were like- Who has a movie out every year. 
for 30 years. Including back then. Also, your audience had parents. Parents that watched movies like Castaway. So everybody knew. Everybody knows who Tom Hanks is. But so we wrote back, okay, well, who does your audience know? Oh, my God. And they responded, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> so in every creative pack, we turned in. For the next 16 weeks, there were at least two references to, you know, household name and face, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon-Levitt. Somebody who, if I pass them on the sidewalk, I may not recognize as a movie star. That's so funny. Was Inception, did Inception, had Inception just come out? Like, why Inception did they Inception or Looper that? or, I mean, he's a great actor. And I, I love him. He seems I love like him. a good dude. I, seems it's like no a nice guy. fired on old JGL. <laughs> But we were like, all right, watch this. So that it was like, hey, you look like a sober Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> if I ever meet Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I have to say that to him. Also, it's so, the joke so doesn't work as you look like a sober Joseph. Because nobody knows if if he's a drunk or not. Everybody knows. At all. Everybody knows Tom Hanks is a drunk. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Even though, and this, I, God, I'll just Google this as I'm saying it. I once heard that Tom Hanks's favorite cocktail, this isn't a joke, he calls the Diet Cocaine, uh-huh. w- which is Diet Coke mixed with champagne. Wow. Diet Cocaine. Wow. I mean, look, for someone who used to always drink red wine mixed with Coke, yeah, sure. I can't criticize the Diet Cocaine. However, that being mm. said, Oof. the Diet Cocaine sounds so much worse than yeah. red wine and Coke. Red wine and Coke is actually pretty delicious. I know. What's it called? Something. A, a Cali Mocho. Oh, Cali Mocho? Well, yeah. That was close. But my friend had the gout. My friend who was like 36, just drank so much beer and ate so much white food, he got gout. And so the doctor was like, no more beer, dude. And he's like, what should I drink? The guy's like, red wine. So he just orders red wine Diet Cokes everywhere. That's his alcohol <laughs> drink now. And he just drinks them everywhere. And he's like, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can well, you imagine I feel bad ordering a Diet Cocaine in a bar? Just And, you know, not to the cocaine side of it, but just being like, no, can you just put some Prosecco and a Diet Coke in a flute for me? I, and people, I think that they would think they're on a prank show. Yeah. People would be like, what? No. And then be like, not doing it. You're not Tom Hanks. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I mean, Where did you hear w- about the Diet Cocaine? I mean, it's one of those things that somebody says once and it just uh-huh. sticks in there because it was so... Well, people always used to ask me, like, hey, what's your favorite drink? And I would say, I drink the whole bar because I do. I like a little... You, you could convince me to drink pretty yeah. much any cocktail Agreed. at a bar. And so somebody must have said it in one of those convos where it was like, yeah, man, what about a Diet Cocaine? Oh, this is fascinating. Speaking since we're talking about this, drinking mm-hmm. the whole bar, I sent this uh, article to Scotty, and I don't have it here, uh, but okay. I will just mention it because I read about it on my own. Malort. If you live in Chicago, you yeah. know that Malort has become the drink of the city. And it's a fascinating history. I always assumed, oh, this must have this long history in the city because it's this disgusting drink um, that everybody loves to do shots of in Chicago. And no, it's not. It's literally just, 
It was one bartender. One bartender kind of brought it back. Yeah. One bartender who was like, "This is this drink is disgusting," and so we made in like 2010. It was only 13 years ago. Made a Twitter account for it. Made a Facebook page for it, and then started selling T-shirts of mm-hmm. just the Malort logo. Mm-hmm. And like the Twitter account would be like, "Tastes like the day Dad left," and it was just like yeah. making fun of it. <laughs> Um, and he was like a funny guy and he's just a, and then he was bartending and at the bar where he was bartending he yes. started selling shirts with the Malort yes. logo on it for so long that the company one day showed up at his bar yes and we're gonna sue him and he was like no wait look and he shows them that he's sent a check to them that got like sent back to him and he's like yep. he sent a letter being like I'm just a fan this money is yours and yes. because he had done that, they immediately hired him to run their PR for the company. And now it's like a, it's, it's big. been, it, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge deal now in Chicago. It's on like every bar. Yeah. And you do a shot in a beer, you do a local beer. It's called, it's a, called Chicago a Chicago handshake. Exactly. And I noticed our, our friend, Stephen Ray Morris, who is taking a little step back from exactly right, but who we love so much. I saw in his Instagram stories when he was in Chicago, drinking my lord and i i think i texted him like dear god don't do this to yourself because during the great quar when i had the banana phone one of the funniest interactions i had was with a banana who texted me hey like or something like hey dummy i i have all these ingredients to make a sandwich what kind of sandwich should i make and they listed all their ingredients and then slowly we walked through everything and they made a sandwich and they were like it was delicious and then they mailed me a bottle of malort Oh wow! For uh, that's yeah. awesome. Were they the same people? Thank you. Who were on the live stream and made us do shots of Malort? <laughs> no, different people. <laughs> different people. I, but Malort came in because for our international bananimals who have no idea what we're saying, it is an alcohol that people shoot and it tastes like burnt tennis balls. It tastes like sucking on shin guards. It's, it's really just, bad. It's really disgusting. So the fun of it is shooting something. That tastes so terrible that it's like, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to hurt yourself just a little bit. Um, all right. So here I got I got another one for you here, Scotty. Also, you just went, right? Malort did you just as, go? I did. I did okay, Wilson. Great. Right. Um, and yeah, we will have Malort whenever let's we're... Let's get Malort as a sponsor. I'll, I'll crank up Malort. Let's do it. I'm ready. Uh, this was originally sent in by Black Mare Dame, uh, oh, yeah. who is... We the love artist behind the Splitty in the City poster from this year and from last year. Yeah, Taylor, she rules. We really appreciate you. She's the best. And um, this was, uh, she sent like a, a reel that I watched about this topic, and then I Googled it to see if it was true. Look at that deep dive. Look at you going above and beyond. Yeah, you know what? It took about seven seconds. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> this was in Today I Found Out. Dot mm-hmm. com, mm-hmm. which we're doing, we're always reading today. I found out. Oh God, you kidding me? When I walk down into the lobby for free continental breakfast at any Holiday Inn Express, I throw aside the USA Today's, I rip in half the Washington Post, and I scream, "Where is my <laughs> that website?" Kurt just said, <laughs> "Today I found out." Today I found out. Dot com, <laughs> and then I eat wet eggs. Uh, and this is, so you know, today I found out is real because mm-hmm. it's written simply by a person named Melissa. <laughs> there is <laughs> no other uh, information about this. She's um, good. 
And so I realized I don't know if I trust Melissa, but she is the best in the biz, so we'll have to go with yeah, her. Yeah, who cares? This is called, this is a, The Curious Case of Merkins, mm. a.k.a. The Vagina Wig. Oh, yeah. Um, called by some a vagina wig. So the reason nope. I got into this was, <laughs> no one's calling it a vagina wig. Nobody. Uh, the reason I got into this was because the, the, the real Black Mare scent was um, about, the, and this is something I did not know, or had not heard before, mm-hmm. was that um, a, a common result of the medication that you would take for having syphilis yes. would make your pubic hair fall out. And now that's so, all the rage. And now it's all the rage. So women would wear a Merkin to hide the fact that they were on medication for syphilis. Oh, um, boy. How times have freaking changed. Are you kidding? I know. Now everybody wants to have that medicine. Mm, um, not me. Bring it back. Called by some a vagina wig, the Oxford English Dictionary defines the ni- noun merkin as an artificial covering of hair for the female pubic region. And although given the recent popularity of meticulous waxing and grooming of one's nether regions, you may think the merkin must be a modern invention. In fact, it has actually been around for at least five centuries. Hmm. While the Oxford English Dictionary, I think she only looked up the Oxford English Dictionary That's for okay. this article. It's I love best. it. Hey, it's an industry standard. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just like, where you want to find out about pussy wigs? You go to the Oxford English Dictionary, pal. Mm-hmm. Um, while the OED lists the wor- world's earliest appearance at 1617 in John Taylor's Three Weeks Observer, and this is the title of this article, which I would love to read, Mistress Minx Recover Her Lost Merkin. Uh, but recover is recur, because uh, that was old English, I guess. Okay. Uh, the Oxford Companion to the Body dates the actual practice of wearing a pubic wig to the mid-15th century, and it may actually go back further. It appears the Merkin's original purpose was highly practical. Women, particularly sex workers, they use a different mm-hmm. word, shaved their pubic hair to combat pubic lice and maintain better hygiene, but then for cosmetic reasons, donned the wig to cover up their bare bits. Such a wig had the great advantage of also being easy to remove and clean in a much harsher fashion than attached hair uh, to ensure things stayed as hygienic as possible. Um, it's also often suggested that, pro- that sex workers use merkins to conceal obvious signs of venereal disease. Well, that's what I was thinking. Right. But there doesn't seem to exist much in the way of any real evidence to support this claim. And certainly, uh, well, obviously, if you're only looking in the Oxford English Dictionary, it's not in there. <laughs> and certainly the widely reported humor. Sadly. With the widely reported rumor today that it was commonly used to cover syphilis is highly unlikely. Signs of primary syphilis. And then this is where uh, Melissa no last name, gets it a little bit wrong. Okay. Um, they're talking about the symptoms of syphilis that they wouldn't affect losing hair, but they don't talk about the fact that the, um, the, the, the medication made you lose your hair. Um, but, um, and that is where you get the term, anyway, I read the whole thing keeps going on, but that's where the term beaver comes from. Seriously? Yes, because they were often used, they were made out of beaver hair often. That sounds so good to me. It's the best joke in the Naked Gun when he, she says Frank Drebin looks up Priscilla Presley's skirt and says, "Nice beaver," and then she has the stuffed taxidermy beaver and she says, "Thanks, I just got it stuffed last week." <laughs> Even as like a seven-year-old, yeah. I I laugh and will continue to laugh until I nice beaver. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, and wow. uh, and then Melissa goes on to quote. 
many dirty limericks from like the 15, 1600s, um, which is pretty great. It's a fun read. It's l- too long, but Melissa will with, never hear this. I, a year ago, I was out with three of my, my women friends, and they were uh, pl- one of them had gotten a new limp, lip plumping gloss or whatever and so the other ones were like does it work <laughs> oh it works and it tingles and it like has a little it has a little spice to it has a little burn so then there's four of us just sitting around a table all, all of us put it on and I'm like the things women have to go through and I'm sitting there and I'm it's just like the weirdest sensation it's just like yeah it makes your lips swell up a little bit I'm like you know what I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this I'm buying the tater tots next round <laughs> holy cow I love the variety of this app. Let's do another just totally out of left field one. Yes, please. This was from Fal Peralta, our boy Nick, who Woo-hoo! does a lot of our art. Yes, thank you, Nick. Nicholas Tharp. Man steals backhoe for 10-mile drive to Illinois Airport to catch his flight. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm sure awesome. he got on without a problem driving a backhoe up to the airport. Yep. Smart. Uh, just yeah. start to finish. Great decision making. But <laughs> results. Bananas is a results-based podcast. And this man made it to the airport. Uh, this was on Gray News. It was also on KFVZ. And it was written on Gray News by Olivia Best in the Business Talk. Um, Williamson County, Illinois. An Illinois man was arrested in Nevada. Already, you already know it's going to, yeah. And I like that Illinois was like, well, we got to cover it because it is an Illinois man. (laughs) Yes. And then everybody's like, we know what's happening in Nevada. (laughs) An Illinois Illinois man was arrested in Nevada and is facing charges after theft, oh, excuse me, of theft, after he allegedly stole a backhoe and drove it 10 miles to the airport to catch his flight. Timothy J. Baggett of Carbondale, Illinois, was arrested Sunday in Elko County, Nevada, for charges related to the possession of a stolen vehicle, according to the Williamson County Sheriff's Office, but he was later released. The Sheriff's Office said Baggett was arrested Monday in Wells, Nevada, for charges related to the possession of an additional stolen vehicle. He is currently being held in jail for $40,000 bond. So, um, basically, it is a class two felony because it was over $10,000 for what he stole. Deputies were called to the Veterans Airport in Southern Illinois to look into a suspicious incident on Thursday. A backhoe was parked in the airport parking lot. Oh, he parked it. That's so nice of him. That's nice. He made the flight. He made the flight? Yeah. How did he get... Soon Come after on. deputies arrived, the owner of the backhoe arrived on the scene and said that equipment belonged to his company. The backhoe had been parked on a job site over 10 miles away from the airport. Diedrich says, uh, upon further investigation, it revealed that Baggett stole the backhoe and drove it to the airport, where he then caught the flight to the West Coast. So he actually did do it. He just got arrested when he landed, I think. He got arrested in, Cal- but I don't, in Nevada. Wait, so let's, for everybody who maybe isn't intimately familiar with what a backhoe is... Uh, so a backhoe is, it it's those, they're kind of tall. They, I think a lot of people would call them a bulldozer, but they have a shovel oh, on the front that's wide up. and horizontal. And then on the back, it has like a little crane thing, which is yeah. like the backhoe for Like an excavator. So it looks like an excavator, but it has a, yeah, it has like a, um, a, a picker upper in the front. Okay. It looks like a tractor excavator. 
We drove one on Mega Drive, uh, speaking of Merkins, where Johnny Pemberton wore a um, thong that was as long as a ZZ Top beard and rode a backhoe that I think could do like 80 miles an hour. So <laughs> there's somebody in the United States that put a supercharged engine in a backhoe and it does like 80 miles an hour because that's what America does. Baggett arrived at the airport, parked the backhoe in the parking lot, as seen on security cam footage, then walked from the backhoe carrying a guitar case and entered the airport (laughs) lobby, (laughs) where he got on a flight to Portland, Oregon. Of Uh, course. Of course he did. The big (laughs) reveal. (laughs) There's only two places he could go, Vegas or Oregon. You hear about people getting rides from other people, borrowing cars, stealing cars, but a backhoe being stolen from a job site driven 10 miles to an airport for an individual to catch a flight to the West Coast while carrying a guitar. That is unique, Diedrich says. Anyways, this guy, old Timothy J. Baggett, I mean, he had a vision. Yeah. One, I don't know how to start a backhoe or I don't. one. No. So. Also, think about how long it took to drive it there like not mm. the most efficient <laughs> way to get there definitely yeah. hitchhiking is probably faster well how, yeah. how fast you go in a backhoe i mean obviously if it souped up 180 miles an hour but i bet you can only go like 25 miles an hour in a backhoe. sure it probably took him quite a while i yes. agree it probably wasn't and also you know lift exists yeah. taxis exist uber lift 10 miles 10 in miles lift in, in illinois, illinois? 10 not bucks? much yeah. eight bucks I don't know. They're raising the prices everywhere these days. You kidding me? <laughs> they get you coming and going. Maybe <laughs> smart for taking the back home. But also, the, this falls under one of those crimes where it's just like, I don't. I want to see what his actual punishment is because if nobody got hurt, yes, and he and he parked, he parked within it. the lines. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like yeah, it should just be a kind of a slap on the wrist for this one. He yeah, also like a, ha- yeah, yeah. He has to work for this construction company for a week for free. Like, right. make the guy work a little bit. I just, I just, like, but also, like, in the United States, like, if you have a felony conviction, you can't vote. You know what I mean? Like, for the rest of your life, you have a felony, felony conviction. And it seems like stealing a backhoe, driving at 10 miles to catch a flight, shouldn't, like, it prevent you. It, like, you have to tell everyone when you apply for a job for the rest of your life that you have a felony yeah. conviction. You yeah. know? Mark I do. That. Let's let's get that off the felony area. I know. I do. I wonder about you know. So many of our friends have kids that are true, like Gen Z or Zoomers or mm-hmm. whatever the younger generations are. And I wonder if, and this might be a really good thing for society, if the men or the young the t- the teenagers and teenagers who used to go play acoustic guitar out in public. Or at parties. I wonder if that's now solely on their phones. Right. So they'll play for their phones and they're sparing every park, every bench, every bus <laughs> stop from the embarrassment of having to stand next to a young person <laughs> on a guitar singing Here Comes the Sun and just going, put your shirt on, bud. This is not going to get you laid. Maybe TikTok has, has captured them all because none of them want their driver's licenses. So yeah, maybe they can't they go anywhere. Go, yeah, maybe they're just playing for their, you know, their their crush over the phone and sparing us all the extreme embarrassment of guy with acoustic guitar in the park, which is yeah bad. See, maybe maybe TikTok isn't so bad, guys. Maybe it's really good for you. Yeah, probably uh, great for you even. 
<laughs> uh, I will end. I'll send us home with this. You ready Ooh, for this one? Let's have some fun for once. This was sent in by Phoebe quite a while back. Thank you, Phoebe. Sure. Uh, this is from June twenty eighth. Uh, this is in the USA Today. That's uh, real. Written by nobody. By nope. R- Oh, no, wait. Written by Isabel Butera. Thank you, Isabel. She's so damn good at typing words. Grandparents race for glory at Washington Horse Track. (laughs) Watch Speedy Seniors run a 40-yard dash. Oh, it's so good. It is so funny. I'll put the video on our Instagram. That's all you need to see is the video. It is literally grandparents in horse stalls, and then it like, ding, 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 and then they run. And yes, and many of them, them fall. fall. Many, yes, they do. The enthusiasm is what makes them fall, though. Like, yes. don't they, they're, they're they're outrun. Their mind is running faster than their body yes. will allow them. And the 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 guy who wins, you would be surprised that he's the winner. You're just like, oh, yeah. that guy's winning. All right, yeah. that's amazing. It is worth a watch. It's Google a it in watch. your cubicle right now and treat yourself to a little a little laughing staycation. Just exactly. enjoy some old people running and falling. And I, I think if I was running and falling or I if I was running it. and somebody fell, I would laugh so hard that I would fall. Did I talk about going to the Corgi International No, you have race? not. Jeez, I, that's crazy. So, one, you got to take your kids next year. It is so damn fun. At Santa Anita Racetrack, which is typically a horse racing track, they do this thing every year that's now growing bigger than the horse racing, where they have Corgi's race, a straight race. It's probably about 20 yards, maybe 30 yards. And they do like <laughs> seven or eight heats. Like I, Well, I should say I watch seven or eight heats. They uh-huh. might go longer, but there comes a point where you're like, I just can't watch it. <laughs> but I thought... Like, you see little dogs run, and at first it's so funny, and then it gets funnier, and then yeah. you're like, I got to stop. My life can't just be cheering on corgis. <laughs> so after two hours of that. Two hours? Oh, I was, oh, it went so much longer, and then I was like, I just need a beer. And, but here's the funniest part. I had assumed incorrectly that these were from around the country champion sprinting corgis. These are just pets. They're just pets that do not know what to do when those gates open. They do not know what to do. They don't know what's going on. (laughs) They are all highly food motivated. And so the first race, everybody like claims their spot and we're lining up. And they they open the gates. They announce all the names, and the names are the cutest part because they're they're just the funniest things. And then they tell you a little about each one. They're like, "This is this is Pickles. Pickles likes taking naps in the only like piece of sun he can find on the carpet. He wakes up in the middle of the night barking to go outside." And you're like, "Okay, I'm cheering for Pickles." Uh, they open the gates with like a starter bell, and all the dogs just run behind the gates back to the owners <laughs> who had just put them in instead of down the thing. So everybody's just laughing. Uh, they're clueless. They have no idea what's happening. The next race, they open up, and all the dogs just like step out and then just start wrestling each other and just playing <laughs> like little children. And then by like race three, you could start to see the champs emerging. And there was one that's like gate open. Big guy had a whole bag of dog food, like I don't know, a forty-pound bag of dog food. <laughs> At the end, it is just Are you shaking, shaking it. it? <laughs> this dog is just running, <laughs> like just eyes wide. I'm sure that one won the day. But next year, Bananimals, if you live in the Los Angeles area, come on out between surfing dogs and Huntington Beach. Yeah. And the Corgi races at Santa Anita. We have dog sports on lockdown in Southern California. 
I'm down. I'll, I will go next year. Yeah, it's so cute. And like the little guys, like Gus and Olive can stand against the fence, like right up to it. So they, they actually will be able to see the best because you would be shocked at how many adults were like elbowing and pushing and clawing their way to see. <laughs> where like if I was short, I would have just left. I was like tall enough to look over them, but like you just feel an elbow and then it's just like a 50 year old mother just being like, excuse me, my son's dog is in this one. You're like, my God. I hope it's not pickles. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, folks, to uh, the f- silliest little podcast there ever was, Bananas. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Curdy B. And uh, we appreciate all those five-star reviews. So if you have a moment and you're a little bored, do the Banana Boys a favor. Go on to Apple Pods or wherever you listen to podcasts, Wondery, anywhere you want. And give us five beautiful stars, and we appreciate it. <laughs> Bananas Podcast. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananas. Follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.